Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about how you navigate a fixed rate expiry or your interest only term expiring, um, particularly related to investors, I guess the interest only is, uh, and uh, fixed rates. Uh, I mean, it's been very well documented, you know, that... Uh, what they call it, the fixed rate expiry cliff that uh, is happening this year and even a little bit into next year. Uh, That is a whole bunch of Australians that fix their interest rates uh, during 2020 and 2021. Uh, Those interest rates are expiring uh, and might go from 2 to 6%, for example. Um, And uh, that's going to have a a pretty big impact on consumer spending, uh, which I've spoken about uh, previously, but I don't think it's going to cause uh, too many problems Uh, in terms of defaults and arrears and all those sorts of things. Uh, In fact, it's estimated that there's $478 billion of uh, fixed-rate loans that are expiring this year. That's a huge amount. Uh, Now, of course, uh, interest-only terms are another one. Uh, A lot of people set up their investment loan with interest-only repayments, and I'll talk about why. That is the case in a second, but obviously that's a change that people need to navigate as well. Uh, And what I wanted to do is uh, just during this episode to talk through how we deal with these sorts of matters for our clients. Okay, so let's talk about your options firstly, uh, both for interest only and for fixed versus variable. Uh, So if your fixed rate's maturing, uh, of course you've got two options. You can refix for another term or you can roll over onto a variable rate. And so when we compare fixed and variable rates at the moment, uh, for home loans, uh, fixed rates are about 1% more than the current variable rate. Uh, And for investment loans, about 0.8% more than uh, the variable rate. Uh, So really you're paying a premium, a much higher interest rate, so they don't really look that attractive particularly if you think or agree that we're very close to the top of the interest rate cycle. Uh, So why would you pay a premium for interest rate protection? In in fact, you're probably just going to be worse off uh, as a result of that. Uh, When you have a look at forward rates, so what we look for there is what bond rates are doing over two, three, five, seven, ten years, etc., it gives us a, an idea of you know what the market is pricing in terms of interest rate increases and then therefore how likely is it that we're going to get a good deal from a fixed rate perspective on a mortgage basis because obviously what the bank can borrow at uh, they then add their margin on top of that and then that's what's going to sort of drive you know the fixed rates that are available on the day well when you look at forward interest rates They are slightly lower than what they currently are today in terms of variable rates, but not material. So it's not surprising then that fixed rates just aren't attractive. But what could happen um, in the future, 6, 12 months time or whatever, again, depending on what happens with economic data and what the market thinks interest rates might do in the future, if the yield curve starts to invert, so if it looks like those forward rates, two, three, four, five-year forward rates, are actually lower than the variable rate, well, then that's when you start might, you might start seeing more attractive fixed rates. So just typically, until that happens, we recommend clients just switch over to a variable interest rate 
uh, probably hang there for a while and let's see what happens over the next year or two uh, with respect to fixed rates and they might start to become more attractive, particularly if the market starts really aggressively pricing in interest rate reductions. Uh, I'm not suggesting that will happen, but it could happen. And if it does, uh, obviously fixed rates might become more attractive then. Okay, so there are your options for a fixed uh, rate expiry. What about a interest-only term? So if you're coming to, to, towards the end of an, your interest-only term, what are your options? Well, firstly, um, let's explain the structure, a mortgage structure. So typically in Australia, a mortgage term is 30 years. And you can then decide how you want to repay over that 30 years. So if you have an interest-only loan, typically uh, the way that's structured is the first five years is interest-only and the remaining 25 of the full 30-year term is then principal and interest. Now, if you get to the end of that first initial interest-only term, uh, you can apply for another interest-only term, but that then means the remaining mortgage period is only 20 years. So you've got a a lot shorter period in order to repay that loan, or at least from the bank's perspective, when they assess whether you're able to repay the loan, uh, the the assessment is going to be over a much shorter period, which which can be challenging from a a borrowing capacity perspective, particularly given they're testing your capacity repay at a very high interest rate. You know, they're adding 3% above what current interest rates are. So they're in the 8s or 9%, um, which is is pretty unrealistic, really. Now, the bank doesn't have to give you another interest-only term. Of course, you're contracted uh, to make principal repayments at a a particular stage. So uh, you can apply, but, uh, you know, they don't have to uh, provide another interest-only term uh, just because you've requested one. Okay, so when deciding whether to continue with interest only, there's really two factors that you need to consider and two competing factors, if you like. The first one is that interest only or setting your loan up as interest only gives you more flexibility around what you want to do with your cash flow. So you can divert cash flow then into the offset account and actually repay debt, that's fine. Or you can decide, no, I want to divert my cash flow somewhere else, whether it's repaying other debt, such as your home loan, non-deductible debt, Uh, making super contributions, uh, just building cash buffers, whatever it might be, it gives you more flexibility around cash flow because it sets your monthly repayment amount to the lowest amount. So that's the pro. The con with an interest-only loan is interest rates. Uh, Interest-only loans attract higher interest rates. uh, And that's because back in 2017, um, uh, the banking regulator, APRA, decided that there's way too many interest-only loans being made and they wanted the banks to reduce the proportion of new interest-only loans uh, being made. At the time, it was 40%. It's much lower today. So uh, that means from an investment perspective, you pay an extra quarter of a percent uh, in terms of interest rate uh, if you compare an investment loan on interest-only or P&I basis uh, and more than half a percent if it's a home loan. The banks really don't like home loan debt on interest-only anymore. So they're the two considerations. Do you want flexibility with the cash flow? And if so, are you happy to pay the premium? Or are you just going to put your surplus cash flow into debt reduction anyway, in which case then uh, maybe go for a lower interest rate? Now, when navigating or contemplating these changes, both fixed rates, fixed versus variable and interest only versus P&I, I typically encourage clients, and, and certainly this is the approach we use for our clients, 
instead of reviewing loans on an individual basis, I would much rather review a client situation on a portfolio basis because I think that helps really inform us about what is the right decision um, for that particular client at that particular time. Now, there's lots of um, considerations that you might want to take into account. I've just listed a few, uh, which I'll reel off now. But if I'm going to sit down and review a, a mortgage portfolio, these are the sorts of things that I like to consider uh, when when navigating those uh, potential changes. The first one is, will your borrowing capacity change? So that's really is there a change in employment or income or financial situation that will either improve or impair your borrowing capacity in the future? And if so, that might dictate when you make changes to your mortgage rather than, you know, when these uh, periods expire. It might be, you know, when your situation is changing. Uh, so that is you might need to do it sooner or you might need to de- delay it for a little bit of time. Uh, do you expect to buy or sell property? So particularly if you expect to sell property, then you might want to structure your loans that are going to give you the uh, most amount of control of the sale funds when you eventually sell it. Uh, that's particularly avoiding cross-securitization. Uh, if you plan to buy, then you want to make sure that you know, you've got ready access to a deposit uh, and the lender that you choose uh, to use or choose to continue to use uh, has sufficient borrowing capacity to allow you to make that purchase. Next one, uh, buffers. Uh, financial buffers, you know, do you have enough financial buffers in place uh, just to navigate any sort of unexpected changes or unforeseen expenses? So I think having really strong buffers in place reduces risk as an investor. The next consideration is loan-to-value ratio. Uh, so what is the most optimal loan-to-value ratio for your situation? Uh, sometimes we don't want to give the bank any more security than they absolutely need, although the other consideration is trying to keep the LVR around about 70% um, because that, uh, that gives you the best pricing power, so lowest interest rate or highest interest rate discount, uh, putting it differently, um, but w- without giving the bank uh, too much um, security. Uh, the next consideration is really how much access to equity uh, do you have? So if you've got a whole bunch of equity in the property, you know, do you want to just get access to that, even if you might not have any particular or immediate plans on using those funds? Uh, so I'm one of those investors that likes to do that. You know, if I've got a property with a bank and the LVR is only 50%, I'll go and increase, uh, create a second loan and increase the total LVR to 80%, giving me access to, to 30% of the property value. And I'll just let the money sit in the offset account or redraw, uh, whatever the case may be. Even if I have no particular plans on using the funds, you just never know what's around the corner. And I think having access to equity um, makes really good sense. Uh, can you consolidate your loan accounts and clean up your structure? So if you've got multiple loans that relate to one investment, can you consolidate those? Uh, can you then uh, just secure those loans by the actual property that it relates to uh, rather than, you know, maybe 10 years ago you used your home as security for a deposit facility and so forth. Maybe you can clean that up. Uh, obviously, still making sure things are structured correctly and not having cross-securitization in the portfolio is important, but the fewer accounts that you have and the cleaner the structure is, the, the easier it is to maintain your record record keeping and therefore uh, protect your interest deductions. You know, Put yourself in the, the strongest position to prove to the ATO, should you ever need to, that the interest deductions you've claimed are in fact correct. Another consideration could be bank valuations. You know, is your lender 
you know, uh, habitually undervaluing your property. Uh, different lenders will use different valuers and sometimes those valuations can change or vary significantly. Uh, so if you've always had problems with your lender, maybe it's time to switch. Um, does your your lender's policy and, and product still suit your circumstances? So for example, you might have... Uh, you know, started using your existing lender 10 years ago when you're an employee and today you're self-employed, it's quite possible that maybe the, the, their policies just don't suit you anymore uh, and they're not the right lender to use. And it's a little bit like trying to put a, a square peg in a round hole. It can be quite frustrating. So it, that's particularly uh, the case if, if you've been at your lender for a while and or you've had some significant uh, circumstantial changes uh, more recently. And the final consideration I can think of is, you know, do you plan to help children in the future? So that is, uh, kids get into the property market, and if that's the case and you want to use something like a family guarantee, then you want to make sure that the lender that you use um, is able to provide that and is, in fact, good to deal with in that situation. Of course, there could be a whole heap of other considerations that you need to take into account, uh, of course, these are going to vary on from a client-to-client basis, but that gives you, a, I guess, a good sense or a flavour on how, you know, we, we take a sort of very holistic uh, approach where reviewing loan structure, that, that all these considerations might actually help inform us on what to do with the particular loan that we're thinking about. Okay, so let's talk about the practicalities of doing this then. Um, the first one is, you know, when do you start? When do you start needing to think about this? Uh, I would say, you know, unless you expect your circumstances to change, I would say somewhere between two and three months in advance of your interest-only or fixed-rate term expiring. Um, no point starting before then because, you know, a lot can change um, in a very short space of time in the mortgage market. Um, and you, you want to start two, three months just in case you do need to refinance to a new lender uh, you can give yourself enough time in order to complete that refinance. Now, of course, if your circumstances are changing, well, you might need to um, start addressing that uh, change either sooner or later. Okay, so there's a few steps uh, involved in uh, navigating or dealing with these changes. Um, the first one is you need to research your options, of course. So if your fixed rate is expiring, you want to make sure that the variable rate that your loan is going to roll to is going to be competitive. Um, if your um, loan was set up, you know, one or two years ago, it's it's actually likely that your interest rate discount will be out of date. That is, lenders are offering much higher discount discounts today than they were two years ago. Uh, so your mortgage broker can do that research and, and make sure that uh, do, do enough research to compare different lenders and, and make sure ultimately that the lender you're with um, is going to offer you that uh, competitive variable rate. Uh, if it's an interest-only term, uh, your broker is going to have to consider whether you actually do have the option of rolling over to a new interest-only term with your existing lender. It's quite possible that you might have to, in fact, refinance to a new bank Typically, banks, uh, uh, most banks are happy to extend an interest-only period only once. So that's two five-year periods. But once a borrower has uh, utilised those two periods, then they typically require you to start paying principal and interest, in which case then, in order to get a new interest-only term, you've got to refinance to a new lender. So uh, obviously, your, your mortgage broker or if you've got a banker, uh, they can help you uh, decide what your options are uh, in that regard. 
And of course, if you uh, want to contemplate a refinance, you need to make sure that you've got the the right borrowing capacity and you meet all the credit criteria and so forth. So that's a that's in fact another consideration uh, beyond that. But it's really research your options, work out do you stick with your existing lender, is that possible, or you do you need to refinance? Um, the second option is uh, once you've done that research and you might be able to do these two steps at once, but it's really about um, speaking to your existing lender and making sure that they're going to match the best deal. So if you've worked out that in fact uh, another lender is going to give you another interest-only term or you know a much higher interest rate discount, then uh, then it's always good to go back to your existing lender and give them the chance to retain your business because the mortgage market is pretty competitive. Now, if your existing lender isn't going to come to the party, uh, the next step you need to do is submit or ask your mortgage broker to submit a discharge authority to that lender. A discharge authority is really just a, a, a form, a one or two page form that um, formalizes the refinance process. Um, and what you do is you fill out that form and you send it to your existing lender and your existing lender then knows to expect a phone call in the next couple of weeks from the new lender to try and book in a refinance. But the point is of submitting this form before you even go to a new lender is that it sends a very clear message to your existing lender that you're just about to go. Now, um, and what that, will, what that will do sometimes is trigger an additional retention step by that lender. So they, they sometimes wait until they get the discharge authority before they actually offer the deal that they're really happy to give you. Uh, and there's no point you going through a whole refinance, whole new application process with a new lender um, if your existing lender is just going to come to the party at the 11th hour. In our business, we'd rather find that out sooner rather than later to save us the time and hassle of doing the work, to save the client the time and hassle of going through an application process and ultimately get the best deal at the end of the day. Now, if you submit that discharge authority and you don't hear from your existing lender within two or three weeks, well, then you definitely know you've explored every opportunity to avoid needing to refinance. And if the saving or structure is superior, then you know that it's it's well worth uh, you refinancing. Okay, so there you go. That gives you a good summary of the approach that we take internally when uh, navigating these sorts of loan changes and, and advising clients. Hopefully that gives you a bit of an insight on what to consider and then how to uh, approach those changes. Okay, that's it for this week. Until next week, bye for now.